What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for choosing to start your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is, of course, a sports ethos presentation. My name is Joe Orico. You guys already know that. I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst over at Sports Ethos, and you guys can hit me up on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to these shows that go out Monday through Friday. Any of the written pieces that I put out on sportsethos.com, like my article that went live yesterday. We'll talk about that in a second. And also any of the other threads and other Twitter activity that I do throughout the week. All of my fantasy content is up on Twitter. So go ahead, follow at JoeOrico99. Now, my article from yesterday that went live is a mid-season fantasy awards piece. It is looking at the first half because... I know the baseball season, we're, we're still shy of the halfway point, but the fantasy playoffs tend to start around week 20, thereabouts. And I thought it was a decent time to look back and give some credit and also some criticism on some players throughout the first half. So I did uh, some standard awards, you know, the best reliever, the MVP, the Cy Young, not the actual Cy Young, but like the fantasy Cy Young. And I did the like, biggest disappointment. Uh, I think there's seven or eight different award categories I did up there. So go ahead, check it out on my Twitter. It's also on sportsethos.com. Not a terribly long read, so I hope you guys go and check that one out there. For those of you who do follow me on Twitter, I'm sure that most of you do by this point. But if you're not, then you probably missed uh, the shenanigans that were going on with me yesterday. I'm currently in the Dominican Republic. Uh, I spent the entirety of yesterday traveling. It was supposed to be a short, quick travel day. Uh, but alas, we spent 12 hours-ish at the airport, at Toronto's Pearson Airport. So that kind of sucked, but, you know, I had some great podcasts that I was listening to on the plane. I figured I would listen to some other uh, fantasy baseball podcasts, get caught up a little bit. And shout out to In This League, to, to Bogman and the Welsh and Bubba. They put out a great show I was listening to. Uh, shout out to Kev John too. I was listening to some of the operating room. A couple of those podcasts really helped me to get through... Uh, what was a tough day yesterday, to say the least, guys. Uh, delays after delays after delays. I mean, we're here now, and it's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful place, beautiful beautiful people. Everybody is so nice here, uh, but it was definitely an ordeal to get here. So these shows uh, over the next week are not going to be quite as long. I do want to make the most of my time here. I hope you guys do understand. You guys can still shoot me questions, and I will still answer them. I might not be as quick about it as I typically am, but I will still be around. Uh, good Wi-Fi here, pretty solid Wi-Fi. Obviously, when I go down to the beach and whatnot, I'm not going to be taking the phone. A little bit of a relaxed time. Uh, we're getting the show out here in the morning every day, and then uh, the rest of the day will be pretty much for relaxing. So I hope you guys understand. I'm still here, but I might not be quite as here for the next week. Today, we're going to be doing pretty standard stuff. We're going to look back at yesterday's games. I did watch uh, some of yesterday's stuff while I was in the airport we're going to look ahead to today a little bit. This pretty uh, short, short slate today, not too many games. And we'll talk a little bit about this week. Now, maybe I'll start with this because I think this is kind of an important thing to get off the bat. And if you don't listen to the whole episode, I'd like you to hear at least this part of it. When reviewing two start pitchers for this week, and I spent a lot of time yesterday and this morning doing that, of the guys that are widely available, there's not really a single one who I'm going to be looking to ask. There are some excellent two-start pitchers going this week, from Garrett Cole to Logan Webb, Corbin Burns, Shane McNasty. There are a lot of really nice pitchers going twice, but they're already rostered. When we start down to get uh, into the nitty-gritty of things, there's not really many guys who are going to be widely available who will be able to help you out at all. 
Uh, there's a couple of names that are kind of interesting, and the one that is interesting to me is Spencer Strider, but he's got tough matchups. He's got San Francisco, and then he's got the Dodgers. So if you have Strider and he's a weekly changes league, I would probably say he best belongs on the bench for this week. Uh, that would be where I would lean. Dodgers are tough. Obviously, San Francisco not as tough, but back-to-back in a, in a, for a two-spot, that's, a, that's, a, that's pretty tough. Uh, I wouldn't be so encouraged to start him. Uh, probably would be leaving him on the bench, depending on your format. I'd be more comfortable to start him in a points league, but in category leagues, I'd be very nervous. Yes, the strikeouts will be there, but there's a there's a chance he'll get hit around. Uh, he's still young. He's facing a couple of, like I said, very strong offenses, especially in the Dodgers, and I'm not totally sold on him yet. I, I love Spencer Strider, uh, but I think this is a, a week where he's probably best left on the bench. Uh, when I keep going through the names here, there's nothing really. Uh, JT Brubaker has an okay two-step this week. He's got the White, or sorry, uh, the Cubbies, and then he has the Rays. Not bad, uh, but again, not really worth it. Uh, David Peterson for the Mets is probably the best one. If you're going to go for two starts, he's got two that are both against the Marlins. Pretty rare to see a two-step against the same team. I'm not a huge fan of that when it's uh, back-to-back games against the same team. But I think when it's the Marlins, uh, Peterson's performed pretty well so far this season. I'd be, I'd be okay hit with him, but it's, a, it's, a if. it's an iffy one, guys. Uh, very close. And I'd say probably you add him and you start him for the first start, which will be uh, today. And then you see what he does. If he's, if he's shit and you really need to move on from him, then you move on from him. If he goes out and he's great, he probably didn't cost you anything. Uh, probably not really much fab money. Probably not a hot commodity waiver-wise. So uh, he's the most viable two-start pitcher for this week, I would say. Other than him, uh, and even him, it's, it's, like I said, it's iffy. There's not a lot going on for two starts. There are some weeks where there's like six or seven guys who are under 50% rostered who are getting two starts. This is just not one of those weeks. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough week for, for that for sure. Just wanted to get that out of the way at the top because I know that that is something I get asked about a lot. Should I add this guy for the two starts? Uh, is it worth uh, player A for one start or player B for two starts? Not really much going on there this week for the two-start guys. So if there's a really attractive one-start pitcher that you see and you're worried about, oh, I don't want to use a roster spot or I don't want to use an ad for this week on just one start, it's probably wise because there's just not a lot of two-start options out there. Let's now go back and take a look at yesterday's top performers. A few that we need to look in on. I think most notably Jack Sawinski. We'll start off with him. Uh, he hit three home runs yesterday. He's up to 11 on the season. And, you know, I don't think it'll – I mean, this year he'll have some value because of that power. Uh, granted, it's been a while since he hit a home run before yesterday, but he had hit a few in bunches earlier in the season. And 11 home runs in 47 games is nothing to sneeze at. That's something that you have to really consider. And I think next year uh, we're going to be looking at uh, – probably he's not going to probably go very high in drafts next year, but I think he's going to be a very solid player next year for fantasy teams. He took Alex Cobb deep. Uh, he took Sam Long deep. And then he took Tyler Rogers deep in the ninth inning. 11 home runs in 47 games. You're projecting out to over 30 home uh, for a rookie, that's pretty incredible. I do think that next year he will be one of the more valuable assets in redraft leagues. Uh, he needs to get the strikeout rate down. He's striking out almost 30% of the time in the majors. Not good. He's only walking about 7.4% of the time. And in the minors, we saw him with very high walk rates, uh, well over 10% a lot of years. 
and even up as high in 2021, not the largest of sample sizes, but in 2021 in double A, he's walked 17% of the time. So he's definitely more capable than that. Uh, one other thing I want to mention here is terms of uh, his BABIP. His BABIP is 258. That's very low. You would expect it to go up. I mean, the league average is typically around 300. Those of you who listen to the show regularly know that I'm big on BABIP. I love looking at batting average on balls in play, whether you're talking about pitchers or hitters, because I think it's a great indicator of how a guy's doing. Now, earlier in the season, we saw guys like Alex Wood and Alex Cobb who had BABIPs over 400, which is just ridiculous. You see something like that, you obviously know that there's going to be some regression there. That has to be something that you factor into your decision-making when you're adding or dropping a player. You look into some of the more advanced stats. And I... You know, I'm someone who grew up with with no advanced stats, pretty much. Uh, it was standard how many home runs you got, how many RBIs you got, what's your batting average, you know, how many doubles you got, things like that. Now, uh, and that, that was how players were evaluated. Now you're kind of falling behind if you're not using advanced metrics to evaluate players. So I, I would really recommend taking a look for you guys who haven't already done so or don't already do so on a regular basis. Uh, go on Fangraphs and go to their advanced stats category. They have tons of stuff there. If you click on any of the categories as well, uh, whatever it is, if you're on an individual player page, they will tell you what it means. So if you click on the BABIP, it'll say, this is the batting average on balls in play, right? If it's ISO, it'll tell you this is the isolated power, the slugging minus the average. It, it lays it out for you pretty well. And I find that Fangraphs makes it pretty easy for the average user and not, not like mathematical minds, right? You're looking at statistics sheets, essentially, but they simplify it so that you can just be, you know, regular people can look at it without needing, uh, without needing math degrees. And I think that's really great. Obviously, baseball is a stat-heavy sport, but Fangraphs makes it a lot easier. So just a, a free plug for Fangraphs there. That is uh, one of the best sites to use for sure in terms of evaluating players. The big three are Fangraphs, Baseball Savant, and Pitcher List. Those are, those are, for me, those are the big three. Some people may disagree a little bit, but... When you are evaluating players, that is, uh, those are the best sites to use, I say. And BABIP is a really useful, really useful tool. Typically, if it's way out of whack, one up or down, one way or the other, you're going to see some regression towards the mean, which you guys know is one of my favorite sayings in this whole world, regression towards the mean. I'm not really sure why. It's just something that I end up saying quite a bit. Uh, and I think it happens a lot in professional sports, and especially in fantasy sports, you're looking for regression a lot of the time. So become kind of a catchphrase of mine. I'm sorry if it pisses anybody off. It just uh, it's, it rolls off the tongue pretty easily for me, so that's why I, I say it pretty regularly. Uh, let's move on from Sawinski here. Nick Pavetta, man. Jesus Christ. I don't know what happened with Nick Pavetta this season, but he is ridiculous now. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> I don't even believe it as I say it, right? I'm looking at his stats, and I, I don't believe it. I, uh, he's a must-start. He's a must-roster, must-start, everything, but I just, I still don't believe it. Uh, he went seven innings yesterday. He had four hits, one earned run. Walked four, which is not great, but he did strike out 10 St. Louis Cardinals en route to the victory. I don't know what's changed with Nick Pavetta exactly. His pitches, uh, his pitch usage, anyway, is about the same. Uh, last year, he threw the fastball 52%. This year, 52%. Slider is a touchdown from last year. It was about 21%. Now we're at about 18%. Curveball slightly up from 24 to 27. No drastic changes in his pitch usage. And uh, we were talking about this on Friday when we had Mike Carter on. And if you guys missed the show from Friday, that was one of the best podcasts that I think I've ever done. Uh, it might be the best. And again, a massive shout-out to Mike. It was a great conversation about the White Sox 
Uh, we talked about Nick Pavetta for a little while. We talked about baseball in general, the state of the game. So please go ahead and check that one out. That was that was a great show from Friday. Uh, but we did talk about Nick Pavetta, and we talked about how he's lost a bit of speed on all of his pitches. Uh, just not a lot, but just a, a tick or two, you know, a uh, mile here, a mile there. It's it's not the most concerning thing, uh, especially because, I mean, the fastball went from 94 to 93, slider 86 to 85, uh, curveball 78 to 77. We're not talking massive velocity changes here, but it's definitely something that you, you notice, right? When you're looking at these pages year on year, yeah, he's lost a little bit of speed over the years. I mean, his slider, he's picked it up since he was a rookie and then it dropped off a little bit. But that's typically a, a worrying sign for a pitcher, but we've seen it coincide with Pavetta's best season in the majors so far. Uh, very baffling, really baffling stuff out of Nick Pavetta. Obviously, he is a must-roster, must-start player. Everybody's pretty much caught on by now. But if he is available in one of your leagues, uh, go and at him because he's proven that he can belong here. Never thought he would. Never really thought he would. Um, I liked him in Philadelphia. I thought he had a lot of promise, but at the same time, he wasn't very good. And now we're seeing a probably 100th percentile version of Nick Pavetta, like very close to the best possible version. And while he's performing like this, he needs to be added. If you do have him, I'd think about maybe trying to explore a trade because he's kept it up long enough now that people will say, okay, maybe I'm starting to buy into the whole Nick Pavetta shtick. Because over the last month, Nick Pavetta, uh, I think he's... Let me just pull up the data here real quick. I think he might be the number one ranked player. Like, it's very close. Uh, oh, no, he's actually fallen off a little bit. He's the 21st ranked player over the last month. Uh, put foot in mouth there for me. But 21st ranked player, 39 innings, 5 wins, 41 Ks, uh, 2 three, one ERA. Like, he's been ridiculous. Uh, granted, uh, overstepped there thinking he'd be number one. But that, that's, like, that's how good he's been, that I honestly thought there was a decent chance over the last month that he'd be, like, the number one ranked player. I thought there was a chance. Anyway, I think... Pavetta is still fairly uh, unexceptional, but he has been ridiculous this season, and he's earned a spot on all, all rosters. If anybody is trying to acquire him, sell him. Sell him, sell him, sell him. I don't buy it, really. I, I think that right now this is as good as he's ever been, but I wouldn't expect this to keep going on and on and on. Consistency in starting pitching is very rare, especially when we've seen someone who's never really done it before, uh, Martin Perez comes to mind as well, someone who's never really been good, and now that they're, I don't know, Pavetta's younger than Martin Perez, but to see them just randomly pop off like this, it, it screams red flag all over the place for me. And I know we're not talking about Martin Perez, but both of those guys, I would try and trade them if you can. They're not going to hold up the rest of the season. That is my thinking. I could be wrong. We've been wrong. Everybody's been wrong up to this point about Martin Perez. And there's the, there's a couple of players I've missed on, right? I've missed on Brandon Drury. I'll fully own that one. I thought Brandon Drury would be, you know, a weekend pickup or maybe a week and then back to the waiver wire because that's what, you know, that's what you would expect from Brandon Drury. He's playing in a hitter-friendly ballpark, so that's definitely a contributing factor there. But this guy, you don't really think of him as being – what he's done, uh, not even at all, really. I mean, he has 14 home runs, 35 RBIs, a 270 batting average. He's a top 50 player, Brandon Jury. So there are crazy outliers that do happen, and that maybe that's what we're seeing here with Nick Pavetta, that this is just – I haven't really seen many – not that I'm like a pitching expert here. I mean, I used to be a pitcher. I was a pitcher I was, went until I was maybe seven, 16, 17 years old, and then I realized uh, I wasn't going to the show, so I kind of gave it up. 
focus more on school and whatnot. But uh, I don't really know properly how to evaluate what is so different, especially when you look at the pitches are close to the same, the velocity is about the same, touchdown even, if anything. I I can't really explain Nick Pavetta. So that's that's a big reason why I am willing to trade him and trying to trade him uh, because I just don't think we're going to see this go on for too long. That's Let's move on from old Nick. I feel like we've spent – I feel like I talk about Pavetta at least a couple times a week just because it's just so random what he's done this season. And he, he's warranted conversation. So I give him credit. He's been great. But uh, en- enough already. Let's move on. Sandy Alcantara. Again, fantastic stuff. I still think he's a touch of a sell high maybe because this is ridiculous what we've, what we've seen from him recently. And the Marlins also don't hold back when, when they talk about his pitch count. Now – I know he was pissed off last week, or I think it was last week he got pulled in the eighth inning and came into the dugout and threw his glove down and made a bit of a stink about it. I, I, I understand the competitive nature, but they don't want to kill him. At the same time, he throws over 100 pitches every single start. Uh, if you exclude his first start of the season, he's over 95 pitches in every single one. It's a lot of mileage. He's already at 100 innings pitched. It's a lot of mileage. I worry, a uh, similar worry with Shane McClanahan that they'll both slow down a little bit and you know they'll have a couple of bad starts mixed in there in the second half I think that yeah I know Alcantara's great there is no denying that he is a great pitcher he's a great major league pitcher and yesterday he went eight innings six hits two earned runs struck out eight only walked one he is a stud I just think we're seeing similarly to Pavetta I mean we're seeing like a hundred hundred percentile version of Alcantara he's a top 10 fantasy player he is the number two ranked player over the last month I uh, I don't know, guys. I think you're not going to get hurt by holding on to him, but I think that you can definitely get back another first-round type of player for him if you were trying to trade him. So I love Sandy. I think he's fantastic. This is by no means a sell moment, uh, a definitive sell moment for him. But I think we've seen a slight overperformance. I talked about it once or twice last week. I just think that he will settle down into more of a closer to a three ERA type of guy, the strikeouts are good, uh, 8.15 per nine innings. They don't blow you away, per se, but they're pretty good. Um, I still think that he's someone that you could probably trade for someone like a Jose Ramirez or a Bo Bichette or maybe even a Vlad Guerrero, depending on the buyer. I mean, if you can go out and get one of those guys, those five guys at the beginning of the year who were consensus going one through five, Trey Turner, Ramirez, Juan Soto, and the two Blue Jays, Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., if you can go out and get one of those guys, then I'm, I'm trading him. If not, then you hold off and you see. Uh, but if you can go out and get one of those top guys, and even maybe like a Bryce Harper, uh, although he's kind of worried me a little bit with injury stuff this season, I would be all right with it. I just think that those guys, especially being position players, they're going to contribute six or seven days a week in your lineup, whereas with pitching you get one start most weeks. Uh, I, most of the time in a trade where it's an elite pitcher for an elite position player, you kind of lean the position player because they play more often. I mean, case by case, that can vary quite a bit. You tend to lean the guy who's going to play every day for you, though. So if you can trade him and get one of those elite bats, uh, maybe maybe not Juan Soto because it's just kind of been a little rough for him, and I think you honestly would probably rather have Alcantara rest of the season considering the lineup around Soto and the fact that he's had a bit of a bit of struggles uh, with getting on base this season. The on-base percentage and batting average are quite a bit down for him. So maybe he's not the greatest example there. But Ramirez, Turner, Bo, 
Vlad. If you can go out and get one of those guys for Alcantara, I would do it in a heartbeat. Ian Anderson, we'll talk about Ian Anderson here for a little bit. He had his best start of the season, I would say. Went six and two-thirds, gave up three hits, uh, walked two and struck out six cubbies Yeah, uh, excuse me, at Wrigley Field. And, you know, uh, we talked about this a couple of times as well. The Atlanta pitching rotation uh, dilemma, I guess, is the best word for it. It's a very good problem to have when you have six guys who are all viable starting pitchers. Now, we have to see with Mike Soroka when he comes back what kind of value he's going to bring. He'll be eased back in. I don't think they're going to rush him, and partially because they have five other guys who can go out there and start. Uh, And we've seen it with Charlie Morton recently as well, you know. He's someone who has struggled a bit, but over the last, uh, I think, two starts or last, maybe it was just, uh, let me let me pull up Morton's stats here. Yeah, the one before against Pittsburgh was a little bit rough. Uh, he did strike out 12. We've seen massive strikeout numbers from him recently. Over his last 13 innings, 21 strikeouts. Over his last 27 innings, he's got 38 strikeouts. Still missing bats. There's just, uh, I'm not sure exactly what it is with Morton either. You know, I think it's probably just a matter of age and he is a late. He was a late bloomer. Uh, he wasn't really a star until, I think it was that season in Tampa, maybe three or four years ago, when he really uh, caught people's attention. Uh, if I'm looking through his stats here, he had some decent seasons in the early 2010s. A couple of all right ones with Pittsburgh, a couple of good seasons with Houston, and then that year with Tampa, I guess, was probably his best season. Although last year he was great as well. Uh, he's really turned it on in the second half of his career, and when you're looking at what he's done this year. It's not quite as great. <clears throat> now, is he getting unlucky when you look at the advanced stats, batting average on balls in play, 324? It's not terribly unlucky. It's, it's a touch over the league average, but nothing nothing to really, really worry about. Uh, left on base percentage, 70.5. That's about league average. He averages 70.3 for his career, so that is right in line with what he's done. His fielding independent pitching is 4.24. Uh, ERA is uh, 5.08. Shows you that he could be doing a little bit better, but not particularly great either. Uh, this is a situation with their rotation that I really don't know how it will shake out. If I were the general manager or the manager, I would probably say that Morton should be the one who leaves the rotation, and I know a lot of people will disagree with me there. A lot of people would probably say Spencer Strider, him being the younger guy. They have more time to work on him. Uh, it's not like they need to have him starting, whereas Morton... He's probably not going to get him to the pen because at his age, uh, to do that to a guy can really hurt your your morale. We talked about this a little bit last week as well, but for a guy who's never been a relief pitcher, he's made one relief appearance in his entire career, and that was in his rookie season in 08 with the Braves. To put him in the bullpen at this stage of his career, he is 38 years old. It's just not something that's typically done. There is a certain level of respect given to guys who – once they hit a certain age, I mean, if you're if you're like terrible, terrible, then th- there's no hope for you. But Morton's done an, well enough where I think that he will stay in the rotation. I know I started this off with Ian Anderson, and we'll get back to him in a second. I just the Braves starting pitching uh, situation really intrigues me, and I, I really don't know what they're going to do. I hope that Mike Soroka comes up and is successful, but that does mean that there will have to be someone uh, removed from the rotation or extended to six. Soroka, uh, I love him. I think that he will be good eventually. probably need a little bit of time, so we probably don't have to worry about this as soon as I'm thinking. We're probably like a month away still from when this is really a problem, I'd imagine. I didn't look at Soroka's timeline if it changed over the weekend, 
But from what I recall, we're looking at roughly after the All-Star break, I think. Uh, a couple of weeks still of Spencer Strider starts. And like I said, this week, uh, tough matchup, San Fran and the Dodgers. I'd probably lean towards sitting him. Uh, not probably, I would. I would lean towards sitting him. So maybe he gets roughed up a couple of times this week and they say, okay, let's put Spence back in the pen, high leverage role setting up. Or maybe we do long relief so he can still have, not starters innings, but you know, so he can still go two, three, four innings at a time and get stretched out there. Uh, I really honestly don't know exactly what they're going to do. Maybe we'll try and talk to a Braves person in the next uh, couple of weeks to see uh, what what the hell is the plan over here because there are a lot of different ways they can go with it. I think it's one of the more interesting things going on uh, in baseball. It's not really for a lot of people probably, but uh, I love pitching. I love starting pitching. mentioned it earlier. I haven't really talked about it too much, but I was a pretty, pretty decent pitcher up until I was like 16, 17 years old. And then I just got surpassed by my uh, by my peers. Some guys were just like throwing in the 90s at that point. I topped out in the low 80s, and then I was like, okay, I, I'm not I'm not going to the show. I'll focus more on on. It's generally where my love of pitchers comes from. The fact that I can relate to them, I uh, understand. Obviously, it's a completely different ball game when you're 17 versus when you're 25 years old, whatever. In the show, it's completely different. I understand, uh, but that's. Kind of why I tend to um, I tend to favor pitchers a little bit more, I think. But let's move on, guys. Let's move on. Uh, Merrill Kelly, what a what a what a what a guy Merrill Kelly is, man. Uh, I had him in a couple of leagues. He was fantastic. He actually won me a couple of leagues yesterday based on uh, the win he got and strikeouts. It wasn't a massive strikeout game for him, just five. But he went seven innings, five hits, one earned run, got the victory, got the victory. Uh, I think that Kelly is probably more of a streamer, but he has he's proven himself, man. Like he's had a couple of bad starts, but if you look at the way the year started for him, really good up until I mean it was one bad Dodger start. He other than that Dodger start where he gave up eight earned runs, uh, he didn't give up over three until uh, last week or earlier this week, I should say. Uh, it was last Monday actually. He gave up five earned runs against the Reds. So. That one and the Dodgers start eight earned runs in two innings. Obviously brutal. Other than that, he has been lights out this season. Absolutely lights out. I do think he's more of a streamer. But, uh, you know, most home matchups are probably going to be pretty – not most, but there's going to be a lot of home matchups where he'll be pretty solid because he got that massive ballpark. Now, the team is not going to win too many games probably, but he's got six victories and 14 starts. That's pretty solid, man. If you could win half of your decisions, I mean – Throughout the season, if you could do that, you'd win 16 games roughly. So I don't think that'll happen with Merrill Kelly. It almost certainly won't happen with Merrill Kelly. But I think he's a lot more interesting than people give him credit for. Uh, he's definitely, definitely a good streaming target. And I think that he can be a like a Toby. Uh, shout out Nick Pollock for that one. I think I think he created it. There's somebody, there's somebody random bait words in the baseball slash fantasy world where I don't know where they came from. I think Nick created a good amount of them. Uh, but Toby, you pretty much like he's a back end of your roster kind of guy. Um, he's just a baseline kind of pitcher. He's not going to be totally exceptional, but he's just going to kind of be someone who can consistently give you back end production. Uh, that's Merrill Kelly. There will be starts where you're probably going to want to sit him if he's facing the Dodgers. You know, uh, he's already been roughed up by them that one point or that one time. But he did also earlier in the season have a good start against them. And then after that rough start, he had a start against them where he was very solid as well. 
I'm willing to chalk up that eight-run outing uh, on May 17th to, you know, it happens, to shit happens. And I understand if you guys don't want to roster him, but I think that he is definitely a lot more interesting than people give him credit for. Playing out in Arizona, probably not a lot of, not a, not a ton anyway of attention uh, that's given to him, but he's really good. He's actually really good, and I would give him a hard look if you haven't already. Uh, his teammate, Christian Walker. I've beat the drum on Christian Walker so long this season. Uh, it feels good to see this happen. He hit two home runs yesterday. Obviously, scored twice, knocked in two, just a couple of solo jobs. But, you know, he is one of my favorite players in baseball who is – or in fantasy baseball, I should say. Christian Walker is one of my favorite players who is just not valued. Uh, people don't like – or not that they don't like him – but they don't value him as much as they should be valuing him. So I'm going to pull up his roster percentages here, and they're not very high, uh, specifically from what I remember on Yahoo. So uh, Christian Walker on Yahoo here. Da, 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 sorry, bear with me. 38% rostered. He has 18 home runs already. 38% rostered. That is unacceptable. That is totally unacceptable, guys. If I go onto ESPN and I take a look here, uh, what are we talking about on ESPN? Uh, 38% rostered. Get on it, guys. Get on it. I don't understand it. Uh, he's a massive power threat. He has been screwed by batting average on balls in play this season. It is currently at 180, which last time I checked, which was Saturday, was the lowest among all qualified players in Major League Baseball. His career BABIP is 100 points higher, 286. If he can even split the difference there, get you up to 230 on the Babbitt, and maybe he hits, I don't know, 220-ish with – he's projecting that like 40 home runs at this point. Probably won't get to 40, but you, you guys need to go and grab him. If he can replicate what he did in 2019, which it looks like he's going to do that and then some, 29 homers, uh, 86 runs, 73 ribbies. He batted 260 that year. That's what we're seeing. That's what, that's who Christian Walker is this season, and he needs to be at it. That's, it's really uh, – I don't understand people who don't want to have him. I understand first base is a little bit crowded, but he's too powerful to pass up. This last month, eight home runs, 16 RBIs. Yes, the batting average sucks, but everybody's batting average sucks this year pretty much. There's, a, you know, there's obviously going to be your guys like Luis Arias and Paul Goldsmith who are batting in the 340s and 350s. Most guys in baseball are batting somewhere in the mid-twos. So a 200 batting average hurts, but it doesn't hurt you as much as you might think it does, especially when he's producing that many home runs, that many RBIs. He's got a decent amount of runs. He's got 30 runs scored this season. He's the 162nd ranked player this season so far. He's got to be rostered. That's, just, that's it. He has to be rostered. Uh, let's take a look at today's games a little bit. I'm really interested in Jose Barrios and Lance Lynn. I want to see if Lance Lynn can settle down a bit after that first rough start. And I also want to see what Jose Barrios can do, man. Uh, I've been so up and down on him this season. I'm currently in an up mode, but he's had some tough ones. He's definitely had some tough ones, and he's shook the faith several times. So ERA is at 465. It's not terrible. I think he can probably get it down. The White Sox have struggled this season. I think Tony La Russa may be in jeopardy of losing his job. It's a possibility. Uh, really going to be interested to see this whole series, but specifically game one here I think will be very interesting. Now, this one is... Without a doubt, the best pitching matchup of the night coming up here, uh, Garrett Cole and Shane McClanahan. 
at the Trop in that beautiful stadium they have there in Tampa Bay. I'm joking, of course. Uh, one of the few ballparks I've been to. I've been to like four, four ballparks. That's one of them. Uh, definitely the ugliest. Definitely the ugliest. It, I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be going out of my way to take a shit on them. I used to vacation in Florida every year. I, w- I used to go down to the Trop uh, every season. One of the first baseball games, or the first baseball game I saw outside of Blue Jay games was a Red Sox and a Rays game. It would have been 2007, I think. Uh, was it 2007? It's definitely still the Bush years. I think it was 2007, and it was Josh. Yeah, it was the year the Red Sox won the World Series. I'm pretty sure, and it was Josh Beckett and Scott Casimir, and it was. I was blown away. I was really blown away by well, one by how weird the stadium looks. It really is like a massive tent it's almost like a big tent if you've never been down to the trop i wouldn't say like oh you got to go down and check it out because it's 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 not that great but i was just blown away by the level of pitching i was seeing in front of me now i grew up watching roy halliday uh, i came in uh started watching baseball just at the end of the roger clemens era in toronto where he was ridiculous in toronto he really was uh looking back on those years so I saw mostly in the Roy Halladay years uh, in Toronto there, I knew what good pitching looked like, but to see two guys go back and forth like that who were neither team was my hometown team, that was really cool for me. And it just pushed me even farther into uh, my love of pitching. So when we have a matchup like Garrett Cole and Shane McClanahan, uh, I don't care where I am. I know I'm in the Dominican. I could be in Antarctica. I'm going to find a way to try and watch that. Obviously, Garrett Cole has not been as great as we've seen in years past. And, I mean, you can make an argument the Yankees have how many better pitchers this year than Gary Cole. I mean, he has the worst ERA in the starting rotation. Are we going to argue that he's the worst pitcher in that rotation? Probably not, but he has the worst ERA in that rotation. Hilarious. I find that to be hilarious, personally. Uh, that's the Toronto fan in me, I think. There will always be a little bit of hatred towards the Yankees. They just uh, got through the three-game series here in Toronto over the weekend. Yankees uh, took two out of three there. Almost swept the Jays. It looked like it was going that way. Jays had a great game yesterday. But we'll see what happens here in this series, man. Uh, The Rays are going to have to do some work to catch up to the Yankees if they're going to. Don't think it'll happen. I don't think anybody's going to catch the Yankees this season. Uh, Jays are 10 games above 500, 38 and 28, and we're still 11 games back of the Yankees. They're 49 and 17. They've won 74% of their games. That's like 118 win pace or something like that. Uh, Yankees are crazy good. Rays are pretty good as well, 36 and 30, but uh, they're going to have to do quite a bit to catch up. Having McClanahan on the bump tonight should be a step in the right direction there. Guys, uh, I told you it wouldn't be such a long show today, and I know I kind of went off on a couple of tangents, but I hope you guys enjoy it still. Uh, let's get through a couple of promo stuff, uh, a couple of promo things first. So go back and listen to last Friday's show uh, with Mike Carter on. It was a, one of the best shows we've done here. Uh, we just really got... You know, we went off of, not necessarily off topic, but we went very deep into topics that I didn't think we'd get so deep into. When I asked him about the state of baseball, uh, Mike gave me a very long, thought-out, like, 10-minute answer to that question. We talked about growing up as a White Sox fan and seeing Cal Ripken Jr. come to town. A lot of of really great stuff in that interview from Friday. So please go check that one out. Uh, Go ahead and follow on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And also hit up Ethos Fantasy BB. That's Ethos Fantasy Baseball. We're, we're getting there. Uh, we're over 100 followers on that account now. That's in case I'm ever late in retweeting the show on my own account. So I'll post it out on uh, Ethos Fantasy BB, and then I'll typically post it again on my own account, or pretty much every day I will. 
But there's also going to be other stuff that's coming to Ethos Fantasy BB in the not-so-distant future. Uh, next season, for sure, we're going to have more stuff. I hope to have more, uh, more writers on staff and whatnot here. Uh, I say on staff like we have a salary. Aren't I cute? Uh, but we'll have more writers with Sports Ethos and more baseball content. So it will be going out on Ethos Fantasy BB along with my articles, my tweets, which don't go out on there so much, but every now and then I'll retweet from that account. And, of course, these podcasts. They go out there uh, Monday through Friday if you guys are new to the show. A little bit of a weird, different show today. Uh, I guess it wasn't too weird. I mean, we look back. We look forward. We looked at today. Uh, That's pretty much what I like to do. You know, look a little bit backward, a little bit forward, and then we look at what's in front of us. Guys, Thank you so much for starting off your week here. We hope to see you again tomorrow. Go ahead on social, do all that good stuff. Follow, download, rate, subscribe. And we'll see you tomorrow for the Tuesday edition. Cheers, guys. Take care.